Up next, we recap the Farmers Insurance Open, where we had what I'm sure will be the rules controversy of the season uh, in 2021 with uh, Patrick Reed and his drop heard around the world on Saturday during the third round. Um, I just want to say that his reputation uh, had a lot to do with that, and uh, I haven't seen golf Twitter ablaze like that in quite a while, and uh, it was great. Saturday at night was, it was actually a lot of fun uh, following the whole story and and uh, the the craziness with his wife's burner account on Twitter, and uh, I loved it. I love every second of, of Patrick Reed and, and the content that he brings to the game. Um, uh, Mark Beneke is going to join me to discuss that. We get into Rory, Victor Hovland, uh, Reed's place in the game, and we also obviously Phoenix or preview the Phoenix Open this weekend, one of the more exciting tournaments that we have on the schedule. Uh, before I get to that, uh, I have a question for you. Do you want a better golf game? I do. Uh, I want to get a lot better in 2021. Uh, it's a huge focus of mine, try to get – couple shots better and uh, get to where I want to be. If you're like me, you need to check out the Golf Garage. Uh, this is Fort Wayne's newest golf facility. Uh, you got to go there, check out their TrackMan launch monitors. Uh, they have full-service club repair and fitting, new and used equipment, and more. Uh, Dave and Matt, they will take care of you. They, will, they are awesome. Great customer service there. Uh, it's a really fun vibe. A uh, cool place to hang out and uh, just be around the game. Uh, find them on Fort Wayne's north side behind A-plus a computers off of Parnell Avenue. Um, and also check out their website, uh, www.golfgaragefw.com. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to Mark Beneke. Welcome to your best bets. It is the Monday after the Farmers Insurance Open, and we had a interesting weekend, to say the least. Uh, I can't remember the last time we had a tournament like this one where the focus wasn't really on the result of the tournament, and it was more on uh, an event that happened during the tournament. Uh, joining me to discuss what we saw this last weekend and to preview Phoenix, Mark Beneke. Mark, how we doing? Uh, great, Phil. It's nice to uh, be back on the show. Obviously, a little bit different format. I think it's going to uh, – it'll play into our, our favor to actually be able to communicate. So excited to be be back with you. Yeah, what, what Mark's referring to is is with our setup normally through through our podcast system is is we've had some connection issues and Mark has had to mute himself and the conversation hasn't been great. So we're actually doing this through Zoom and uh, it's a lot easier. We can actually see each other and uh, I, I think this is going to be this is going to be better. So, um, Mark, <laughs> uh, we, we got to get right into it. Uh, Patrick Reed, Reed wins. Uh, kind of going away, uh, wins by five shots, and it didn't feel like a didn't feel like a five shot win. It was pretty tight, even up to like the fourteenth hole. Uh, and uh, he pulls away the last the last few holes. And uh, man, so we got we got this huge controversy sur surrounding Reed. And uh, to me, it was a big big part of why he won uh, and why he played so well on Sunday. Is uh, this guy thrives off of this kind of thing? And uh, uh, he he has this me against the world mentality that it seems to motivate him even more. And before we get into the, the rules thing that we saw Saturday, I want you just to kind of speak about Reed and uh, what we saw, you know, Sunday with with his short game and just his his ability to to will himself to win. Yeah, you know, I think that you're spot on. I mean, this guy plays with a chip on his shoulder, to use the old cliche really like no other player um, since I've been watching and, and closely following the PGA tour. I can't remember a guy um, that is taking such a liking to being this villain, you know, um, I, I, as far as his competitive um, makeup, it's different, man. I mean, it's, it's different. And, you know, obviously he's 
proven time and time again that that I think he is, you know, in that elite top tier of ball strikers on tour. But you know, kind of kind of flexing a little bit differently uh, over the weekend at Tory with the short game. I mean, Phil, anytime Reed tees it up, I think uh, sort of the antics aside, you know, this guy is a legitimate threat to win every single week. And I think a course like, uh, you know, Torrey Pines, obviously I know the North course went through a redesign a few years back and, and it's not the, the pushover that it once was, but especially these big golf courses that, uh, you know, you're going to see the, the cream of the crop rise. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we take for granted or forget kind of how good Patrick Reed really is and rightfully so just because the narrative is so, you know, it's always something else. It's Ryder cup, captain America, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no shortage. I don't, I don't think his, um, I mean, there's, there's always something with him. And I think people just forget that this guy can win literally every week he plays. He, I mean, it's kind of under, under the radar, but he's a big game hunter. I mean, I, I was looking at his wins today. He's got nine career wins at the age of 30. Um, he's won a Masters, obviously. He's won two WGCs. He's won uh, two playoff events. He's now won a Farmers. He's won a Tournament of Champions. I mean, when he wins a tournament, it's usually uh, a stacked field, and this was a good field. And uh, he, he, he takes down some, some, some big-time players, um, we saw it this weekend. I mean, he he outlasted guys like Rory, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, who's a great young player. Um, this guy just finds a way to get it done. And and it's really fascinating to watch him play because, um, you know, you watch a guy like Hovland who is is just ball striking it to death and Reed just figures out a way to get it to get it done. You know, not I think I saw this stat today um, that he he hit uh, I don't I don't have the exact step but it just talked about how few greens he hit during the week despite winning and uh it I think it just goes to show that especially at a course like Torrey Pines where you know there's there's a premium on getting the ball up and down I I trust a guy like Reed to get the job done on on a Sunday when um I, there's not a ton of guys that I trust to close the deal but he's a closer too Right. No doubt. And, and I think uh, a little credit to you, Phil. I don't know how many of your listeners tonight are going to follow you on social media, but you actually put your money where your mouth was. And I think that's pretty cool to uh, you know. I, I know you placed a, a small wager on on P. Reed and it paid off. So, no, I, I think I think you're right. And I think just back to your point on uh, Patrick Reed being this big game type hunter, you know, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, want to beat other players, but, you know, I think, I think Patrick Reed almost, I mean, really, he almost puts it into like a match play situation. And I understand it wasn't anything close to that for a while there Sunday, but, you know, Reed loves the fact that he beat Victor Hovland and he beat John Rahm. And, you know, I think a lot of those, uh, players, you know, might not be so interested in, okay, we're trying to beat you, you know, they're just trying to go out, take what the golf course gives them and try to position themselves uh, to be there, you know, coming down the stretch. But I don't think that's the case for Patrick Reed. I think, and that's really what makes him um, such a great closer and front runner. I mean, this guy, I was talking to a friend of mine during the telecast Sunday and I said, this is so boring, you know, because it was like, especially late there on the back nine, every time the guy made a mistake, you know, he wedged it to two feet and he would, uh, you know, just left nothing to doubt. Um, so no, I mean, yeah. this, this guy's, this guy's going to be right there. Um, you know, as the major season comes up, uh, obviously the U S open is going to be contested at Tory. So, uh, I mean, I, I think, I think he's in store for a huge year. Yeah. I, I want to backtrack obviously to, uh, to, to the pick last Monday night that we made on this podcast, uh, talking about Reed and, uh, uh obviously it, it was my bet of the week and, uh, it's pretty cool to see one of those actually hit. We've, we've been close on several. Um, and I was really sweating it out watching Hovland in the front nine. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. This guy hits every fairway, hits it to 12 feet every time. Um, 
And I was I was pretty worried there ahead of the back nine. But uh, after Hovland missed a couple couple makeable putts and and then he got into trouble, I think, on 14, I kind of kind of could breathe a little bit. Um, so I know some, I know some followers and some listeners uh, made the same picks. So uh, good to see a lot of us benefit off the read win. Um, let's get to what we saw Saturday. So we get to the. The third round, Reed's, Reed has a huge front nine. He's leading by four going into the uh, going to the tenth hole, hits in the fairway bunker, hits this little high hook, kind of ugly shot way left of the green. Um, so he gets up there, and uh, you know, and it, we, you can actually see this whole thing on PGA Tour's Twitter page. It's uh, it's well documented. Um, he, he asked the marshal if, if the ball bounced, by the way, there was a lot of rain overnight, Friday night into Saturday morning. Um, she says, I don't think it bounced. Um, and, uh, so he, he gets up there thinking the ball has, has embedded, you know, it's an embedded ball, which is pretty common, especially Saturday, you know, Saturday morning. Um, so he, he lets his playing partners, Robbie Shelton, Will Gordon, kind of, I guess they're across the green, he, you know, he says, Hey, they say it didn't bounce. I'm going to check it. So that's, that's when he proceeds to pick the ball up and kind of just sets it to the side. The camera's behind him. So you can't see exactly what's going on. Um, and then he says, he's going to call for official. So Brad Fable gets, gets up there a couple minutes later, you know, Fable says, what's going on. He's, and he, he says embedded ball. And then he says, Oh, where's your ball? Oh, he says, Oh, it's right there. I already checked it. And he says, here, here's the spot. You know, I wanted you to check it where the, if see there's a lip. And um, to me, Mark, and I, I know we've already kind of talked about this through text, but I know you disagree a little bit. I feel like he kind of led Brad Fable into making that that decision and, and agreeing with with Reed. Because um, he says, you, you got to feel with your finger, right? And, yeah, that's the only way to check it. And he says, yeah, there's a lip. So he gets, he gets the relief. Um, and uh, I actually got up and down. He made like a 15 footer for par. And uh, I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe Twitter <laughs> for the, like the next six hours. It was amazing. I kept refreshing. Um, and, and we'll talk about some of the Twitter stuff later, but let's talk about the actual incident there. Um, do you feel like Reed handled that correctly? I, I think there's so much to, uh, there's so much to unpack here. Um, yeah, there is. <laughs> now I feel a little bummed that I didn't know this podcast was, uh, was, uh, I, I noticed you had a little sip there. So no, uh, every time dude. I think Phil, did he do anything wrong by the rules? No, he didn't. And as much as, as much as golf Twitter and the golf media wants to, um, pick and prod by letter of the law, he truly proceeded, um, you know, as he should under the rules of golf, you know, just to kind of bring people up to speed, you know, the text that I sent you when we talked about it at first, you know, let's say you're playing, you're competing in the city championship net come August, and you're not going to always have the luxury of the walking referee with you. And so if you're playing with Johnny in round one, and you plug a ball or you think it's plugged, you're going to say, Hey, Johnny, I think my ball's embedded. I'm going to mark it and take a look. Now where I do think, uh, you know, Reed could have avoided this situation is, you know, me personally, anytime I think a ball is embedded, I'll do that same thing. I'll inform my playing partners, but then at the same time, I'm really going to want you to come over and just, watch and you know yes uh, Brandel Shambly obviously you love him or you hate him but Brandel had a great point when he was asked about it he said look anytime I did that throughout my career I very carefully went down with two fingers picked up the ball and then kind of made this determination um under the eye of someone else not because I was going to um you know take liberties with the rules but just so you know, it's what you almost have to do to protect the integrity of the field. Now, then you you probably know where I'm going next. Um, I think this is totally um, different. I think Reed gets no support here had Rory McIlroy not did the 
exact same thing. Actually, even worse, you could one could argue because he didn't have Rory Sabatini come look at it. He didn't right. have Brett Fable come look at it. He just he made his own determination. Now, right. again, Rory McIlroy, he was just nominated to be the player pack council, and everybody <laughs> loved. Him. Yeah. But it's just. It's it, it's it's a great example of of golf Twitter needing something to talk about. I think in January, uh, without Tiger Woods, Tiger again rehabbing back surgery, something's got to dominate the cycle. And unfortunately, you know it's a shame that because it was a great tournament, it really was. Um, a lot of the big guns were there. I mean, Tony Finau again couldn't quite close the deal over the weekend. You know, so there were other storylines, but I just think. Because it was Patrick Reed, it's a story. And, you know, uh, is it bothersome? Of course it is. But he didn't really do anything wrong, at least uh, as by the rules of golf. I think it's definitely one of those cases where his reputation made the situation what it was. Uh, if that's um, if that's Tony Finau doing what, exactly what Reed did, this is – 10% of, of what it, you know, what it became. Um, I, I think that was my biggest problem, Mark, was, was I, when I was watching live and I, 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 I saw it, I saw him pick the ball up or at least, or at least when Fable got there and he said he had already picked the ball up. I was like, Oh, because the situation you were describing is, is I would, I would want my playing partners to, you know, to sort of okay the situation to, you know, to, to kind of get me in the clear that I, I was seeing the same thing that they saw. And I think that was what was mainly bothersome to a lot of people was, was him kind of making the decision, then leading Fable into, you know, kind of making sure he, he made the same call as Reed. Um, and, and obviously Reed's been in the situation with the Bahamas in 2019 at the, at the Hero. That was probably more egregious than this. Uh, and I, I think most, you know, golfers uh you know media would, would, would agree with that but I, I think this just is sort of continuing what a pattern of what we feels like a lack of integrity from reed uh dishonesty um and, and you're right rory was in the same situation and it all came out and it he didn't have an official and he didn't have rory sabatini come check um and his ball wasn't embedded either that's the thing neither one of these balls were embedded are these well, just these these were these just bad lies and, and I mean I, I don't that's the I guess that's the other thing Mark is that Reed had to realize that that ball was not embedded after he got up there because we saw it bounce on the replay I know he didn't know that but I I can tell when my ball is embedded when it's when it's just a bad lie or it's, or it's sitting down well. And one thing, and then quickly, I want to, after I say this, I want to go back to something more with the whole Rory and, and Patrick Reed, the difference. But no, I, I agree with you. I mean, when I think of a ball embedding, usually it's in a shortly mown area. Um, you know, that rough was very, very thick. And Rory had actually talked about, he said, you know, it took us about a minute and a half just to find the golf ball. And, you know, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, making accusations against Rory McIlroy, but sometimes those balls will kind of, I forget who used the term, but it's almost like they'll kind of nest in there. They'll nestle to the bottom and it's soft and it kind of appears almost like, almost like a fried egg in a bunker, you know? So no, I mean, he, whether, whether or not he thought the ball was plugged, I, I don't know. And that's, that's, that's what nobody will ever know. But I did think it was interesting you know, maybe there was something a little bit deeper. The fact that Rory McIlroy, he knew, he legitimately thought his ball was embedded and he wasn't even going to, uh, he didn't need a rules official. In his mind, he thought, oh yeah, that's embedded. You know, knowing his past history last year, I think at the PGA Championship, well documented that he took a drop and he felt like he was getting an unfair advantage. So he dropped it into a worse lie, all that stuff. But, you know, maybe Patrick Reed thought, well, hey, if I call over this rules official after I get in there, pick up my ball and, you know, he was kind of poking around in there in the hole. You know, yeah. who's to say who's to say he didn't, you know, goose it a little bit and <laughs> bet it. And then he said, hey, look here, I'm going to be so on the up and up that I'm going to call Brad Fable over. Right, and right. I'm going to like you said, he, he led him right into that ruling. 
Whereas Rory, Rory was like, no, dude. I mean, I, I, my ball's embedded. I'm not calling an official because my ball's embedded, you know? So yeah. Yeah. very interesting. I mean, we, we could talk about it forever. I think that it just goes to, um, it's just going to increase the, the narrative. I mean, people are just going to be louder and louder and, you know, on Patrick Reed, um, you know, this is not going away anytime soon. And unfortunately, I mean, he's kind of has himself to blame, but I, again, I think, uh, as it pertains to this exact situation, Phil, I don't think that, um, I don't think he was in the wrong, but it's definitely the gray area. It was, it was also a bit strange to me that the PGA tour tweeted out the video of Rory's situation, almost sort of like using him as a shield of defense for Reed's situation. I mean, Rory McIlroy, the Prince of Ponte Vedra. I mean, that's, I mean, I wonder how he feels about this situation kind of being used as, as Reed's uh, shield. Um, it was really interesting though. I mean, Ken Tackett as you know, he's sort of the, now the, the, the rules guy on CBS and it's like his yeah. first day on the job and it's in his first 10 minutes. And it was amazing because he didn't have, he didn't have a problem with it initially. And I could, I could sense, and that's when Twitter started going, you know, kind of crazy after Reed gets through the 11th, 12th hole and, you know, Faldo is making comments and Nance seems unsure and they go back to attack it. And, the whole thing was really interesting. And, and then the next day they come on the air Sunday, by the way, like 30 minutes, you know, late because college basketball ran. Uh, that's annoying as well. But um, I mean, they don't even get to live golf shots until, I don't know, 10 minutes after rerunning the whole situation. I mean, it was, it was insane to me. I've, I haven't seen anything like that on the telecast, um, but I thought CBS handled it well. I thought, I thought they could understand uh, they understood the magnitude of of the situation, especially since it was Reed. It was another rule situation that he was involved with. Yeah, I, I thought it was strange too. It was almost, you know, it, it kind of played out like it was a um, it was a trial, and they were going from you know analyst to analyst, and we had to get so and so's so and so's taken. It's like, yeah. It was it was completely bizarre, which it makes you, um, you know, at least it made me feel like it was pretty obvious that that nobody really was in agreement with um, with what Patrick Reed did, except the PGA Tour, Ken Tackett, and then what's Mark Birch? I think is the official who's replaced um, Slugger White or Mark Russell. I know both of those guys retired, but yeah, it was completely strange and you know i think it, it just goes back to to me it's sort of you know they they wanted it to be the story and and i think you know without i i, I this is a super casual golf fan take so i it's not me but i just feel like i mean that telecast that leaderboard i don't think it had a whole lot of star power that's going to draw in um you know, the, the casual fans. So maybe if people read enough headlines on Twitter and, you know, golf channel and blah, 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 I think CBS almost wanted to, uh, wanted to make that the narrative because it was present throughout the entire coverage. I mean, even, even down the stretch, Faldo was still offering his commentary on, on the situation and, but, yeah. uh, yeah. but completely strange. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this this is a, this is going to follow Reed as he goes. Um, w- one more minute on this, Mark, and I don't I don't know if you've you've been aware of the 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 burner account on Twitter, um, <laughs> run, <laughs> run by uh, Justine Reed. It's got to be Justine. Um, it's I think it's at Use Golf Facts, um, and that's the Twitter handle. She has tweeted a lot of stuff over the years. A lot of inflammatory stuff about Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, you know, the whole, there's no left pins on Sunday. I mean, it's, I love it. And and so she, she put out a tweet under Patrick Reed's account about the Rory situation in all caps. So Saturday night, Twitter was going nuts about Justine Reed. And I mean, the whole thing was, 
I, I couldn't get enough. I, I know I talk about Bryson being a content machine, but this the, the whole team read situation is kind of its own content machine too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just happy to know that I probably wasn't the only golf fan that went through and looked at every tweet. Nope. <laughs> I went through and it's it's so funny. I mean, it, you know, it, it's actually kind of surprising that, you know, Patrick Reed paints himself as this guy that only cares about winning golf tournaments. And, um, you know, I, I don't know Patrick Reed personally, and I'm not going to sit here and bash him, but I, I know there's some – there's quite a bit to unpack there with, with his family. And when he wanted Augusta, his family wasn't invited, blah, blah, blah. You know, obviously I, again, very serious situation. You hope for the best for the individuals. I mean, at the end of the day, they are people, but at the same time, what I'm getting at is, you know, it seems funny to me that Patrick Reed would be involved in a burner account situation and, and say what you will about Justine. I guarantee you some of those tweets were from him. Um, right, right. You know, looking. Um, one of my favorites was he was really dogging on the Ryder Cup selection process. He's like, "Can we get an answer on what the qualifications are going to be?" It's like I, I ate it up. I read every tweet, and then and then I loved it when uh, he said last year, or Justine said that uh, you know a, a major championship should not be played, let alone a green jacket awarded without fans. Yes. Yes. You know, like, yes. Like, how are you? How's that Ryder Cup team room going to be? You know, when I mean, it can't be good, but yeah. I mean, I he's ma- he's going to make that team. Um, oh, yeah. I, so, kind of put a to, to put a bow on this whole situation. I mean, Reed doesn't make any things any easier for himself. And going forward, I'm fascinated to see. Uh, we saw Lanto Griffin, Xander Shoffley make comments about the ruling. It, it doesn't sound like he's highly respected by the players. Um, and especially if it makes the Ryder Cup team, that's that's going to be a really interesting situation to follow, especially what he did the last Ryder Cup in France. And that was, you know, that was a train wreck with his comments afterward. Um, Mark, to move the thing forward. Uh, so we talked about Victor Hovland being his the main chaser on Sunday. And uh, uh, Hovland's game reminds me a lot of Rory's. Uh, phenomenal tee to green and if he has any sort of success with the putter he, he might win i i talked last week on the podcast with johnny that i was really worried about a short game if he missed greens well guess what you can take care of that by not missing any greens and putting the ball to 15 feet every time um, my question for you is morikawa hovland wolf who who's going to be the best player out of this group you know, in 15 years, or I guess who's going to have the best career by, by, by the time it's over of the three. I think, and again, uh, suffering from a little bit of recency bias. I don't know if you watched any of the early round coverage Thursday and Friday, Matthew Wolf looked pretty out of sorts. Now um, you're not going to judge a guy on, on 18 holes or 36 holes. Um, but, but I just think that you know, when Matthew Wolf is, um, when he's in good rhythm and things are kind of aligning certain golf courses, I mean, he, he can win, but I think day in, day out, it's still got to be Colin Morikawa. Um, you know, I, it's sometimes I think gets lost in the shuffle with the, with how good this young crop of players is. Morikawa's already got a major championship, you know, and I think sometimes um, as we move, move forward into this 2021 super season, I think, uh, you know, kind of could go under the radar, but you know, Victor Hovland, you're right. Ball striking extraordinaire. I mean, the guy is always going to, I mean, steady enough. I think he's got a great attitude. Um, you know, always, always kind of appears the same way, whether he makes, you know, uh, shoot 75 or 65. So I think that'll take him far, certainly. But no, uh, again, of those three players, I, I still like Morikawa to, um, you know, over the course of a, uh, you know, hopefully, Lord willing, knock on wood, long careers for all three players. I, I think he's your guy. I think there's a case where where Hovland might be slightly more consistent, at least to this point. I mean, he, I feel like every week is in the top 20. Morikawa might miss a cut here and there, but uh Morikawa is probably I mean like we've talked about before one of the two or three best iron players on tour Hovland's total ball striking is 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 really solid but 
I, you know, you just get nervous with him around the greens. And I think Wolf is, you know, it's kind of boom or bust with him. It's, it's either he's going to be in contention, maybe win, or he's going to miss the cut by five shots. And, uh, uh, it's fascinating to follow those, those three guys are all three are in the top 15 in the world. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be guys to deal with as we go forward. Um, another guy that we've had to deal with for a long time and, uh, hasn't been winning a lot on Sundays is, is one Royer McElroy. Um, I, I, I get frustrated with him because I, you know, I look at the stats and he's, he's number one strokes gained off the tee and he's solid with the irons, but I never trust that he's going to make putts on the weekend. And especially when you get to Sunday, I, you know, I want to see him birdie for the first six holes and really get into the mix Instead, he's just on the fringe of contention. And it feels like the same story that we've seen for, for a while for Rory. Um, I guess my question is, is, is this the Rory that we've kind of, we have to accept that this is kind of who he is now, or is this just kind of a stage that he's going through and he'll figure it out? I think that he is, I, I think it's more of a stage. I, I truly do. If you look, look back um, when Rory was, on such a rampant pace. I mean, he was winning. I, I don't I don't recall what year he won the uh, U.S. Open and PGA, and then he... 14. Yeah. 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, look, I think it's it's a situation where priorities change. And, and I go back to the... Um, I thought it was really interesting when I believe it was Tom Weiskopf made some comments about how Rory looks disinterested and that's sort of been a reoccurring theme with him, you know, whether or not he wants to be there. And Rory silenced that very quickly. He said, look, I try, I try hard. I'm in it. I'm present. Um, you know, every single round I play out there, you know, it's just a situation where, you know, guys aren't, um, I mean, Rory's certainly not older but you know he has been in the public eye for so long now it seems um for you know from when he was on came out on tour in 07 8 whatever it was and um i just think the guy's got a lot of money in the bank and you know not that uh it, it, not that it's about that of course once you get to that level it's about winning winning tournaments and i and i get that but it's just so hard to win and i think you know, it really goes to show what these guys that are somewhat consistently winning, um, you know, guys that are winning two, three, four events sometimes per season, you know, we take it for granted because we've lived in an era. Okay. Obviously with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, VJ Singh, you know, and then seeing what Rory did um, in 14, you know, it, it's, it's tough to win. I mean, and ask, Ask Tony Finau, you know, um, a guy that I, I saw a stat, not to change subjects, but I saw a stat that Finau has like 35 top five finishes uh, in the last two years or something. And it's like, I think it was since his last win. Since his last win. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I, I think Rory's going to be fine. I, th I think he's, he's again going to, um, you know, hopefully it's going to allow him to kind of slide under the radar going into uh, into Augusta National in April. And, you know, it's it's he, he's going to be there. And you're absolutely right. It's just a matter of time before he does get off to that quick start on Sunday, you know, birdie three of the first five and, you know, sort of uh, uh, just sort of glide from there. I mean, it's it's there. We, we all know it's inside. It's it's there. It's just a matter of getting something going on the greens. Yeah. And, and hopefully this is sort of a building process for Augusta and he, he is my pick. He was my pick to win the masters still will be, but there is a concern of mine that, you know, maybe that maybe his best, best golf is behind him. I don't know that yet, but you know, look at guys like Jordan Spieth, uh, Jason Day, uh, Brooks Kepka, we might be, I mean, all these guys, you might have seen their best golf and we might have seen the best stretch of golf of Rory McIlroy. We just don't, we're not sure yet. It, it's, I think a lot of it's still in there. I think it's just something seems to be missing. It's funny you, you mentioned Finau, Mark, because within 10 minutes I sent to, I think I sent to, to Tim and Johnny, I said, uh, when Finau missed a two, a three footer 
on 10, I said, Finau, exceptionally on brand. And then later on, when uh, Rory missed another short one, I said, Rory, exceptionally on brand. Because this is the same, it's the same thing we see from both of them on Sundays now. And uh, uh, I'd love to see both of them kind of break through, uh, especially Finau. Um, Mark, what last thing, uh, the coverage this weekend from CBS. Uh, CBS got a new producer uh, for this season. Uh, we were promised changes. You know, one of their their huge additions was the, the little leaderboard. The I guess the the it, it's a running leaderboard the whole time. The whole telecast. Um, There's supposed to be different cameras. Um, sort of a different vibe to the whole thing. Did you see any noticeable difference to the telecast, or is this just typical CBS? I, my biggest thing that I noticed, Phil, was the leaderboard. You know, I, I've gotten used to the. Uh, you know, I've gotten used to the big, big display, slightly larger, takes up more room. Um, you know, my, my house, I, I, I watched my golf from a, from a couch and, you know, we have a decent size TV, but still even there, it was kind of, kind of tough. I mean, I know I'm on my phone watching a lot, scrolling leaderboards, seeing, um, you know, different, different guys, but that was my big takeaway. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the leaderboard, but I think it's, it, it will become the norm quickly, you know, give them, give them a few more. And I, th I think sometimes as, as uh, sports fans in general, anytime there's change, you know, it, it's, it'll take a few days, few weeks to get used to, but uh, I don't think it was as far as display, nothing, nothing major. You know, I think one thing looking, you'd mentioned the new producer and, you know, maybe that's uh, something maybe that's the reason they started the coverage Sunday the way they did just to maybe, maybe this guy's MO is more storylines, more, you know, maybe deliver something outside of the golf shots. And, and I know for, for, for traditionalists, you know, that's what you want to see. That's what I want to see. We want to see all the shots, but um, you know, I, I think, I think the networks are going to have to continue to sort of reinvent themselves um you know, as we go further, Tiger gets farther and farther away from, from, uh, from the mix. You know, I think they've got to find something to, um, you know, move the needle, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there were some good, uh, there's some good drone shots, you know, of the course, you know, showing, you know, the, you know, the coast and, and it's, it's a cool area. I, I don't know exactly what I'm, what I'm looking for. Um, probably more golf shots, um, I don't know. I'm not a huge Faldo guy. I, I'm just not. Um, but I thought he was pretty. He was pretty good during the the read. Uh, you know, debacle. Um, coverage gap on Saturday. It, it ends on Golf Channel 2:45, and then there's always 15 minutes. And and oh, we're going to be on PGA Tour Live for 15 minutes, and then that's only a couple groups. And and. And, and then meanwhile, the PGA Tour app is is down again on Sunday. And uh, I, I just – the whole thing gets to be really frustrating with, you know, the telecast, the coverage, the app being outdated and slow, and it doesn't work half the time. And um, for guys like us that like to follow Shot Tracker and, and all that, I just – it's it gets kind of old. Um, but let me not, – not to take you off your train of thought, but so how fired up are you for this – Betcast that's going to debut this oh. week on on Peacock. Did you hear about yeah. that or done any yeah. research? Yeah, so that's the affiliation with uh, PointsBet. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm definitely interested in watching that. Um, I, I want to see uh, because I, I, from what I understand, it's it's compiled with people that know uh, betting. They, they know the odds. They know how to, to explain it in a way that's understandable to the viewer. Um, and supposedly it's going to run alongside of the whole telecast uh, on Peacock. So I'll definitely check it out. Um, I think it's good. It's I think I'm glad that they're embracing it um, and not, you know, not ignoring it. Um, so I think it's great. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it'll. I think it'll do good. I mean, I, I we might differ here, but I love, um, you know, especially on Sundays. I, I like placing a, a wager or two as guys are kind of moving up the leaderboard. You can get oh, massive. Yeah. And I, uh, the one that obviously you're not you're not going to hit. It's going to be very rare. But the moment uh, the moment you might hit one, I took 
Henrik Norlander moved to nine under within one of the lead and he was at, you know, 4,500, um, you know, I put 20 bucks on it. And, you know, if you catch lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a good payday, but I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to kind of watching the odds change within and maybe get a little bit more, uh, yeah. detail, but, yeah. uh, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I, and I, I, I'm, you were on vacation last week, so I'm sure you didn't hear the show with Johnny, but the, uh, the the Palm Springs event, I, I had a live bet on Patrick Cantlay on Saturday um, when he was plus 10,000. And uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought I was going to get that one, Mark. It was going to be pretty profitable. And uh, so when Siwoo closed the door, I was I was pretty crushed. But I talked about it last week's show, how live live betting, especially on a crowded leaderboard, there's there's so much value that you can catch a yeah. number on Saturday or even even on Sunday, as you were saying. So if, if you have the capability to sit down and watch it and be on your computer or your phone, I mean, the numbers on some of these books, it, it would surprise you. So live betting definitely has a ton of value. Um, let's, let's get going to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, you know, this is, this is always kind of a fun tradition on, on Super Bowl Sunday where you get this final round and it, it usually – you know, I, actually, last few years there's been quite a few playoffs, and it, it goes right up to the start of the Super Bowl. Um, it's a really fun finish. The last four holes is maybe one of the most exciting closing finishes uh, on the PGA Tour. You got a drivable par four. Um, you know, you got obviously 16. The, the, the par three with you know all the fans around won't have it this year, but it's it's a fun finish. A lot can happen. A lot of a lot of water involved. Um, and it's a course where normally 16, 17, 18 under wins, you know, a lot of birdies are made. Um, but I like this event. I, I actually think it's one of the more fun events. It's usually because of the fans. Um, it, did I, did I see that they're going to have, is it 5,000 fans each day? Yeah. Lim, limited capacity. And um, I was actually kind of surprised that knowing this event sold out in years past. And uh, I was on the, the Phoenix open website. Uh, earlier this afternoon, just just browsing, kind of looking, and uh, still offering tickets for for this week's event. So, yeah, there is going to be some fans. I think it'll be interesting to see sixteen. Um, you know, it's sort of this novelty type deal where, you know, I always look forward to watching the sixteenth um, at uh, at Scottsdale, but there's not going to be twenty five thousand around there, and uh, so it'll be a different look. But you know, I, I'm right there with you. I love. Love the finishing holes. I, I know a lot of times, um, you know, the tournament's not decided until later it goes. But with 17, so many guys that, that can make a two there and kind of jump back into the hunt when, you know, they you get par five on 15 as well. So there was really uh, two quality opportunities to make eagles on 15 and 17. 16's fun for the novelty. And then 18, you know, uh, some of those guys, the tee shots they hit now, that water isn't yeah. really in play. But uh, but no, a great tournament, and I I can't wait to can't wait to sit down and watch some. Yeah. Uh, so TPC Scottsdale measures uh, just over seventy two hundred to par seventy one. Uh, Bermuda greens. Um, when I was kind of diving into the stats today, Mark, to kind of kind of figure out who I like this week. It, there's no one set of players that it really favors. We've seen uh, Webb Simpson's the defending champ here. We've seen Bubba win here. Brooks Cup got, got his first tour win. Uh, a couple horses for the course is uh, Hideki Matsuyama's won back-to-back. We've seen Fowler win here. Fowler's contended several years. Um, so it's not necessarily one favor, but I, I do like the guys that are good iron players. I do like the guys that give themselves uh, – several birdie chances inside 15 feet. I talked about this set with Johnny a few weeks ago, but uh, on my, on my analytics site, uh, fantasy national, um, I look at uh, the, basically the, the, the number of birdie chances inside 15 feet uh, for this week. Um, there's a couple of guys that really stand out to me. I'll get to those when, when we hit them, but the, uh, the odds go off with, uh, I'll just head it up. Uh, John Rahm is the favorite at, Set him up. Plus six twenty-five. Uh, JT at plus seven seventy-five. Xander, Rory is plus eleven fifty. Rory is the fourth favorite in the field, and Webb at plus fifteen hundred. That's your top five. 
uh, I'm having a hard time distinguishing one of these one of these five from the other. We've got Webb, who has won here. John Rahm has always played well. JT's two straight top fives. Xander has been on a string of good finishes, and this is actually Rory's first time here. Uh, anyone stand out of those those top five guys? It's 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 a pretty chalky pick, man. But I I like John Rom of of that group. I think, you know, look, um, kind of that Arizona. I know obviously Rom is an Arizona State guy. I think it's pretty tight knit fraternity out there. Those guys tend to play well, uh, that, that kind of make their home out there. So I like John Rom there. Um, you know, I think it'll be really fun to watch Rory again, as you said. Um, you know, he, he fits the, fits the mold. I mean, he's going to certainly drive it into some places that, you know, he's, he's going to be able to reach par fives and he's going to have, um, you know, quite a few wedges in his hands. Um, so again, it, it'll be like, it always is with Rory. If, if he can get the putter going, he'll be there, but, uh, no, my, my favorite of that top, that top crop of players, I would say is John Rahm at, uh, you know, uh, what plus 600, you said, or six. 625. Um, I think, and I just, this is a numbers game to me, Mark. Um, Rory at plus 1150. So you're telling me John Rahm has almost nearly twice as good a chance to win as Rory McIlroy. I know I just sort of dogged Rory, <laughs> but the number on Rory is, is it's, it's too good to pass up. Um, to me, at least at, at 1150, um, I'll be diving a little bit into Rory for sure this week, um, just based on the number. Um, after that top five, you got guys like Berger, uh, Matsuyama. Matsuyama is at plus 2,500, guy that's won uh, twice here. Um, Harris English, Sanjay M, uh, Billy Horschel, Ryan Palmer. Um I, I mean, I really like Hideki. I, I was looking at his numbers last week. He he kind of just was mediocre across the board, but he did finish well at Sony. Um, I mean, top twenty there, and uh, he's not. He's obviously not a good putter, but he's always put these greens well, um, and his ball striking usually shines through. Um, I just think at that, that number. You just you trust that this guy. It's just one of those feelings that he gets when he gets on this golf course that he's going to play well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, he has the has the 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 experience. He has the track record around uh, the stadium course. You know, um, I, I, I certainly think he'll uh, he'll certainly factor at some in some form or fashion. I think over the weekend, kind of 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 that group of guys. I'm I really like Daniel Berger this week, and I know we're not at the point to make our picks, but uh, I think Berger's in good form. Um, you know, you can certainly put the, put the lights out. Um, you know, he played, uh, he was, I, I don't, I don't know what he shot Sunday at Torrey, but um, I mean, a guy, I think that it kind of fits the mold. I think he can make a bunch of birdies depending on what the forecast is going to do. I mean, that, that will always change this tournament. Obviously, if you look at the year, Ricky won, I think Ricky shot something like 75 in the final round and it was the highest score uh, on tour for a winner. So, you can get you can get this golf course to play different ways, but uh, I think Daniel Berger is kind of kind of fearless, and I think he's a guy that's proven in his young career that when he needs to make putts coming down the stretch, I mean he's 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 a gamer. And I'm not sure about plus seventeen hundred for Berger, but I, I he's played well here. Um, I do like him. He's got that moxie that we talk about. Um, Mark, my my two favorite picks are at uh, plus 5,000. My man, uh -oh. Will Zalatoris, is, uh, he's just on a tear, and uh, his ball striking is so good. And he's had, I think I saw this since the start of 2020, he has more more top tens on tour than anyone else. That's shocking. Wow. I mean, that's unbelievable, especially for a guy that played a lot of Corn Ferry Tour Um last year. I mean, I know we had a weird season last year, but so this guy, he's, he's, he just feels like he's got the pedigree to have an event like this be his first win plus 5,000. I think he's undervalued. And uh, I also love, I also love Ricky Fowler at plus 5,500. And I was looking into Ricky's numbers last week 
at uh, at Tory, and he was he he gained uh, five shots tee to green uh, on the field. He hit the ball great, and he lost four strokes putting. But I was looking at the numbers today, Mark. In the, in uh, the past five years in this event, no one has putted these greens at uh, the Phoenix Open better than Ricky Fowler. So I'm I'm chalking up last week as an anomaly. And if he's hitting the ball well, and if he can putt like he normally does, I think he's going to be in contention again. So I love plus 5,500 for Rick. If you even wanted to be more conservative and go down to a plus, you know, or for a top five plus 900, you could do that. I prefer win bets myself. I want I want to go for the money. So uh, I love Willie Z at 5,000, Ricky Fowler at 5,500. Yeah, it's it's really been fun to watch uh, Will Zalatoris. You know, it's uh, well documented that plays a lot of golf at home with Tony Romo. And, um, you know, I, th- I think Tony was able to really help him uh, maybe get in touch with, with that uh, mental side of the game, you know, being able to compete, have the right mindset. So like that, I love your, I love your Ricky Fowler pick, you know? And I mean, I think if I know you love Rick, I, I love Rick, I love Rick, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, look, the, the, your, the show is, the show is your best bet, you know? And I think that golf betting, it's tough. It's, it's almost like if you're playing on the tour, you're not going to win every single week, but I think, um, you know, you've got to kind of jump out on that, on that limb to have the payday. And I think you're right. I think, I think Ricky, um, you know, they, they always talk about horses for courses. And I think if there's anything that can get, uh, Fowler out of this little funk, obviously you said he, he gained strokes tee to green. So it's not, it's not as bad as it seems. Nobody puts like he does on these greens. I mean, we've seen it. It seems year after year, whether he wins or not, you know, he's always, always in the hunt, always on that first page Sunday afternoon. So no, I, I could totally see it. And I think, you know, even, even if, even if he doesn't have the best ball striking week, you know, of course to me seems like, yeah, there's places you can't hit it, but there are areas where you, uh, you know, if you're going to miss, Hey, take one side of the golf course out. I don't think it's the most demanding, um, you know, I don't think it's super demanding off the tee. So it might be a good, um, might be a good place for, for Rick to have, uh, you know, hit, hit the loose shot or two. That's not going to instantly throw him out of the tournament. And he's kind of a, you know, he's a guy that's going to drop the bomb when you, when you least expect it to kind of launch himself into contention. So I, I love, I love it. Especially you talk about that kind of value. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought he'd actually be a little higher. I thought he'd be in the plus 4,000, 4,500 range. So I think you're getting a good number there. Um, Brooks Kepka plus 5,500. Any, any, uh, any interest there, Mark, four-time major champion? Four-time major champ, prime of his career. You know, of course there's interest. I mean, he's, he's not going to, um, you know, I, it was kind of well-documented that, that he doesn't really care about regular tour events, you know, kind of that, uh, kind of that Gronk mentality, call it whatever you want, but no, I mean, past winner, um, once he gets it figured, you know, once, once it's figured out, he'll, he'll be back. Uh, I mean, it's definitely worth the, worth a, worth a small wager at those odds, but I, I think betters that, that are listening to the show, I think they really have to look at their, um, you know, look at their bankroll, what, what they want to spend. And I think divvy it out. Of course he, I think he demands a small percentage, um, you know, maybe a, a one or two unit bet. Um, but, uh, but I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, he, so many of these guys, and I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking um, about players that are deeper onto these, you know, longer odds. Of course he could win. He could, he could win at the drop of a hat. So, I mean, obviously recent, recent history, missed three cuts in a row. Um, you know, I think, I think Brooks, his kind of his career, he, he's either read some historic type highs or he's kind of been low and, um, and not really factored. So, I mean, could he, could he jump off the, the skid and, and go from miscut, miscut, miscut to win? Oh, he could, but, but I, I I'm not, uh, it's, it's not going to get much for me, but it's going to get something. <laughs> yeah. You kind of feel like you, you got to get in on that because I don't know if you'll ever see him that low again. Um, right. 
Anyone else in between plus 5,000, plus 10,000 that you've seen? I got a couple, but I want to see what you got first. Yeah, I mean, I um, I like Corey Connors. Corey Connors. Yes, uh, yes. In, That's one of my guys, this. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love love him uh, going off at uh, 80 to 1. I like Billy Horschel. Um, I don't know. I don't have Horschel's odds right in front of me, but uh, a lot of a lot of guys. Um, Gary Woodland. I mean, Gary Woodland's a, a past champ, if I'm not mistaken. Here, um, you know, sort of fits fits the mold. Um, Louis Oosthuizen, um, like Louis, one of my guys that that always seems to play his way into contention just due to the waste management sponsorship. Maybe is Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> I like Charlie, but Charlie, uh, Charlie just pulled out with a back injury last week after 33 holes. So who knows what, what he's going to have, but maybe a guy that's battling a bad back, if he can get some of that good hot weather, uh, maybe loosen it up. I maybe Charlie contends, but I really like Corey Connors. Yeah. I love Connors at, uh, at plus, uh, 8,500, uh, well documented that he's he's probably one of the 15 best ball strikers on tour really struggles with his putting but you never know sam burns for me at this point mark is just an auto bet especially at this number at plus 8500 he put uh statistically he puts bermuda greens as well as anyone on tour um i know he was i mean he played in the final group last weekend with reed i didn't have a great sunday but i don't think he's far off um Another guy that's an auto bet for me is, is Luke List. Uh, Luke List at uh, 125 to 1. Uh, lowest round on Sunday, top 10. To, uh, uh, I, I just think his, his ball striking here, uh, take advantage of the par fives. You never know. Um, any Anybody past 100 to 1? Oh, man, Jordan Spieth, 150 to 1. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass on Spieth. Um, couple guys, um, just, just looking at, looking at some crazy stuff. Adam Long, <laughs> Adam Long at 130 to one. He's a tour winner. Uh, Sepp Straka actually closed with 65 Sunday at Torrey. Uh, Sepp Straka is one, 120 to one. Um, and then a couple, couple guys that, uh, just a hunch. Both have played well here in the past. Not quite at those long of odds, but I look at Ches Reeve and Brian Harmon. Uh, Harmon, you know, kind of sweet swing and lefty doesn't doesn't hit it too far. But again, I don't think um, I don't think driving distance. I don't. I would. I mean, of course, it's going to be easier if you bomb it. But Ches Reeve, Brian Harmon, get the putter hot, kind of grease it around, and uh, they they could be there. But keep your eye on Substraka. Okay, Substraka. Got that one. Uh, Dylan Fratelli for me at 175 to one is a guy that he's picked up a ton of length. Uh, we saw him kind of in semi-contention masters, at least, you know, contention for a top five. Um, he's kind of interesting to me. My, my mega bomb of the week, Mark, I know you'll appreciate this at uh, 600 to one Davis, right? He was the second best player on the Corn Ferry Tour last season behind Will Zalatoris. He won a couple times on the Corn Ferry Tour. Davis Riley, Price next to Ted Potter Jr. and Sean O'Hare, which is an insult to Davis Riley, frankly. Um, whoa, 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 Teddy Potter's won twice, man, and probably from that 600-to-1 area. Yeah, tell me when Todd Ted Potter has done anything recently. <laughs> Davis Riley has shown something. Yeah, um, I like it. It'll uh, be interesting to see. Uh, um, at, at least, uh, you know, top 10 to make it more interesting at plus 8,000. Um, all right. So, Mark, give me your, your two or three best bets uh, that you're, you're going to you're going to make you're going to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Here. Um, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go my I'm going to go my pick of the week. Not really going out on a limb here. I'm going to go with John Rom to win. Um, Chalk. Yeah, and then and then I'm gonna look at uh, look at Daniel Berger. I think Berger's in for a big week, um, and then we'll just we'll just keep it to keep kind of on theme of what we've discussed. We'll go. We'll, I'll go Rom, Berger, and then Corey Connors are kind of my three three yeah. three heavy plays. 
I mean, Rom Rom has played this course so well, uh, even when he was an amateur. So that it wouldn't be a surprise if, if he got the job done. Uh, I'll be going with Rory, um, probably Hideki, uh, Zalatoris, and, and Fowler, um, and, and then and then I'll sprinkle in some Burns and Connors and Luke List, and then Davis Riley at six hundred to one, of course, as my mega bomb of the week. Uh, Mark, any final thoughts on this tournament before you depart? No, I, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's always, always fun. It kind of leads right into the Super Bowl, big, uh, big sports weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll be, uh, I'll be watching anxiously and I'm really pretty fired up for this, uh, NBC Betcast deal with, uh, with their partnership with points bet. So, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of good stuff to watch this weekend and I can't wait for it to get started. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on once again. Thanks a lot, Phil. Appreciate it. Your best bet on Instagram. Uh, follow us. We'll get these picks out uh, by Wednesday. Um, hopefully we get another winner this week. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to the Waste Management Open. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Johnny to talk about uh, Pebble Beach. So look forward to that one. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, and we'll catch you next time.